Welcome to Faithbridge Sermons Podcast. This sermon features guest teacher Clay Scroggins and was recorded on Sunday, August 8th. Thanks for tuning in. If you're in the area, join us next Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. And if you're a part of Faithbridge Online, join us at faithbridge.org slash live. Here's Clay. Hey, it is a uh, privilege for me to get to be here. I am a, um, I've heard about your church for a long time, as Ken mentioned. Uh, T.A. and I were in each other's weddings. We met in seminary and have known Ben Stewart for a long time. Ben Stewart is my wife's favorite preacher, um, which is <laughs> not offensive at all, uh, even though that is what I do. Um, and yeah, Steve Carter's been a great, um, a great counsel for me uh, as well. Um, I love the state of Texas, and I feel so grateful to get to be here with you. That's not me pandering, although that is something I would do. Um, I love the state of Texas because my wife is from Texas. She grew up in Tyler, Texas. She went to Texas A&M. And uh, okay, there it is. Uh, I've, I've heard about the whoops. Um, she, uh, her parents went to the University of Texas. She's got a brother who went to Baylor. So they're uh, all over the state of Texas. But um, we met, uh, I grew up in uh, Alabama. I moved to Atlanta to go to Georgia Tech. I was studying engineering there. And uh, that was not for me, um, but I was determined to make it through. And I'm just about to graduate. I had to get one class. Uh, I had to, you know, it was a prerequisite situation. I needed approval from the registrar. And I remember sitting in her office and she said, well, you seem very determined to get this degree. I said, oh, I am. She said, what are you going to do with it? I said, listen, I'm actually going to seminary to be a pastor. So why don't we do a deal? You give me the degree. I'll promise to never use it. How about that? <laughs> and so... So I ended up passing the classes, and I moved to Dallas, Texas, and, uh, which is where Jenny and I met. I had gone to school there for a couple of years. And I was toward the end of my degree there when she shows up as a student. Turns out I ended up studying her more than I was studying anything else that semester. Hey, um, we, uh, we have five little kids. Our oldest is 12, down to three, and we uh, live in Atlanta. And as Ken mentioned, I've served there at a church for the past, really about the past 20 years um, I've served as a campus pastor. We've got different locations around Atlanta, and I've kind of moved around a bunch and served at one that was way out in our northmost suburb, and then I served in Alpharetta, the one that was our original one, and then the last couple of years served in Atlanta, the city of Atlanta, at a church there called Buckhead Church, our campus there. And I, I wanted to tell you a little bit about our, our own journey of where God has been taking us, what he's been doing with us. I, don't, I know you don't know me. I don't know you. So I thought this would be, this is most fresh of what's happening in our life. I mean, as of a week, a week ago. And then uh, I want to jump into Psalm 23, which um, one of the most famous passages of scripture in all the Bible. Um, in fact, if you need a Bible, we'd love to just be able to give you one. So if you need one, uh, you can hold your hand up. Uh, I would love for everybody to just open up to Psalm 23 if you have a Bible. Hey, if, and if you use technology, if you have an app on your phone, open up the Bible app on your phone. If you're watching with us online over in communion, uh, I just would love for all of us to join in and read this together. Um, you've heard it before. Maybe it was read at a wedding or a funeral, but I want to just share a few things about what God has been teaching us through this. So a couple of years ago, I started experiencing what I have titled professional restlessness. Uh, has anyone ever experienced that? Yes, everyone has. Anyone who's ever had a job knows what that feels like. And I had had it before in life, but I just kind of, you know, uh, prayed it away, thought it away, talked it away. And I've been working at the same place ever since I graduated from graduate school. Love my job, love our church, love what I get to do. Andy Stanley is our senior pastor, and he's been a, a great mentor for me. Uh, there aren't 
maybe two or three men that have influenced my life uh, as much as Andy has. And we have a great relationship and just feel so grateful for him. But I started uh, about six months ago, uh, that, that it didn't go away. In fact, you know, uh, the pandemic, I've often wondered if we hadn't gone through that, would it have changed? Would it have been worse, better? I, I don't know. None of us can go do 2020 again. You know, we'd all like to go back and do 2020 without a pandemic, but we don't have that luxury. So I don't even really know how much it affected it, how much it didn't. It was there before, and it definitely persisted through all that. And I, uh, about six months ago, decided I'm going to loop my bosses in on this. And I was telling my dad about it. My, I've got wonderful parents. And my dad gave me some great fatherly advice. I was telling him, I said, Dad, I'm going to have a conversation with my boss next week. Um, and have a conversation with Andy Stanley as well about just this, some stuff I'm feeling about my own career. And my dad goes, I'm going to give you one piece of advice. I was like, all right, what's that? And he goes, don't ever quit a job until you have another job. <laughs> I was like, got it, Dad. Doesn't that sound like great fatherly advice? I mean, that sounds like what a dad is supposed to say, Right. And so I was like, all right, got it, Dad, got it. So I, I, tell, I tell Andy a little bit about what I was dealing with. Hey, I've got this professional restlessness. There's some opportunities, that some, some things in me of wanting to lead more, wanting to do more, wanting to try some different things. And he was really great and gracious about it. And uh, a couple other conversations later, it led me to a point where uh, six weeks ago, I had a meeting with him where I told him, hey, I'm going to resign. And... Uh, I was scared to death as soon as the words came out. I mean, it's not like it was a spontaneous thing. I had planned on it, and my wife and I had talked about it, and she had been encouraging me. She felt like this was the right thing for us in the season. But it felt so scary. It felt so um, frightening to be out on the edge where you can't see what's past it. You can't see what's on the other side, and that's where we've been. God, I don't know where you're leading us and I can't tell where you're taking us. I can just tell there's something else out there that we're supposed to be doing and we need some space to figure it out. I see some of you shaking your head, kind of grinning because you're going, yeah, I've been there. I know what that's like. Maybe God was leading you towards something. Maybe he was taking you towards something. And it's that tricky thing where you go, is this God or is this just, you know, some weird feeling that I'm experiencing that seems like something everybody feels at different times in life? And at the time, I was reading through, uh, I was reading through the book of Psalms. So I, I am, uh, you know, this is one of the things that's probably, I don't know, maybe this is surprising, but uh, a lot of people think, okay, pastors, during the week, what do you do? Do you sit around and read the Bible all the time, you know? Well, of course, that's not what pastors do. In fact, sometimes as a pastor, it feels kind of harder to read the Bible than if I was doing something else. And so uh, I try to, I, one of the disciplines that I found is reading the Bible with other people. So I'm usually, some of the younger guys on our staff are usually some other guys in my men's group that we'll, I'll just say, hey, let's read through something together and we'll text each other every day, kind of the one thing that God is showing us. And so early one morning, I'm reading through kind of the reading plan that we were on in Psalms and I get to Psalm 23. And God has used this passage of scripture, a passage of scripture that I think my grandmother had it crocheted on something hanging in her house somewhere, just like you. I've heard it read at funerals, heard it read at, at, at weddings. I mean, I, I could just about quote it. But you know the way life works, that God uses scripture, he uses his word to intersect with certain times of life, certain seasons that we're in to teach us something new, to show us something unique, not unique to the world, 
but maybe unique to us in that moment. And that's really just what I want to point out right now is just a few things that God has been teaching us through Psalm 23 is we're trying to decipher and discern, God, where is it that you're leading us? Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're in a season where you're trying to figure out, am I in the right job? Am I on the right career path? Are we hanging with the right people? Are we sending our kids to the right school? Are we living in the right place? Are we doing the right thing? Everybody in life, it feels like, is asking those big questions of life. And I think Psalm 23 should be an anchor for every single one of us. So what I want to do is I want to just read it uh, one time. I'm just going to read it all the way through. And then uh, we'll just walk back through it verse by verse and just talk about some of the specifics and particularities about what David has written here. So read it with me, uh, if you will. My hope is that we would be able to, over the next few minutes, that we would sink into Psalm 23. I know it's real tempting at times like this to think about your grocery list and what you got coming up this week and how you're going to make your ends meet. But I, I want us to genuinely sink into this passage of Scripture and just see what God might want to do with it in our hearts. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That, that opening line of Psalm 23 has rattled around in my head for months now. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. What, what, what do you know about shepherds? Anybody in here, you just want to be honest, say I, I've got experience as a shepherd. Anyone got that on your LinkedIn profile? Spent a couple years as a shepherd. Nobody? Isn't that This is what's so challenging sometimes about reading the Bible is we think, okay, the Lord is like a shepherd. David's trying to explain what is God like? Who is God? And this is so important. If we're going to keep our soul sane in seasons of change, we have to remind ourselves of our identity. Our identity is one of the things that gets called into question most when we're in these seasons of what am I supposed to be doing? Where am I headed? Are, 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 we, are we living in the right spot? Are we going to the right school? Are we working in the right place? Are we doing the right thing? It, it questions our identity of who I am. And so David begins this way. He begins by saying, okay, before we start talking about who you are, who I am, let's talk about who he is. Let's talk about who he is and what we know about him. Because identity is best when identity is ascribed to us. 
And who better to ascribe our identity to us than the one and only God, the creator, the almighty one, the Lord, Jehovah. So he says, if you want to know what God is like, well, God is like a shepherd. Like, well, good for you, David. That might have been helpful because you were a shepherd for a while. But here we are in 2021, and everybody's going, well, we don't really know about shepherds much, right? But, I mean, we, we all can guess. I mean, what, what are the things about shepherds that are great traits, great qualities? Shepherds are caring. Shepherds are responsible. Shepherds are intentional. Shepherds are leading sheep to a place that they wouldn't otherwise be able to get to if it weren't for the shepherds. And if God is the shepherd, well, who does that make us? Sheep, yeah, it's not a trick question. Some of you are like, Jesus? No, no, no. <laughs> the answer is typically Jesus. Nine times out of ten, you want to go with Jesus. But no, in this case, we're the sheep, right? And let, let me just, while we're playing along, what, what's, what's, the, what's the number one adjective people typically know about sheep? Sheep are, thank you, you said it, I didn't say it. Some of you are like, fluffy? Yeah, true, <laughs> true. But they're dumb, I mean, they make a great shank, yes, I'll give you that, but they're dumb. That's kind of what we know about sheep, and that's unfortunate that sheep get that kind of rap, you know? And some of you maybe take offense to that. You're like, wait, 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 so in this case, God's the shepherd, and I'm the sheep? Oh, okay, and so the sheep are dumb, so are you calling me dumb? I'm not calling you dumb. David called you dumb, okay? <laughs> David says, you're dumb, you're stupid. And so am I. I mean, we're prone to do dumb things. It's easier to see it in other people. Some of you are going, oh, no, I mean, yeah, the people I'm sitting around, they're dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But me, I don't know. I'm like, I made the honor roll, you know? My kid's on the honor roll. I don't know that I'm dumb. David goes, no, you're a human. And humans, though they have opposable thumbs, which is a great quality, humans are prone to do dumb things. We say things we regret. We spend money on things that we regret. We spend our time on things that we wish we hadn't. We quit jobs without having other jobs. <laughs> We're like sheep. We need leadership. We need someone to help steer us along the right path. And David says the Lord is not just a shepherd. He's not just the shepherd. No, he said the Lord is, the Lord is, he's my shepherd. He's, he's the one leading me. He's the one helping keep me on the right path. He's the one graciously steering me back in. He's the one with power fending off the evil forces of the world. He's the one that's caring for me. And he can be your shepherd too. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And if he's my shepherd, I lack nothing. The King James Version says, I shall not want. I love that. That when we have the shepherd, we have everything. When we have the shepherd, there's nothing we lack which is so tricky, particularly in the past couple of months for me, because as, I, as I've looked out into the world, I've thought, no, 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 there's a good bit I lack. In fact, I have a, 
a, a, a pretty fair amount of lack right now. I've got enough lack to go around. I've got more lack than I wish I had. I wish I had more more, more than and less lack. But right now, I actually don't lack nothing. I, do, I feel like there's a lot that I lack. And this has been so good for me to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. So if I have the shepherd, you're telling me there's nothing that I need that I don't have as long as I have him. A salary. No, he, he, he's, he's got me. Opportunities. No, 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 he, he's, he's got me. Confidence for our kids. I can't instill confidence in our kids. When we told our kids a couple of weekends ago, we were in our van. Um, this was great parenting advice that my wife gave me, which is not unusual. She's quite a bit better of a parent than I am. But she says, hey, I thought about it. Let's tell our kids this weekend. Let's tell them in the van. Let's tell them in the car while we're going. Everybody's facing forward. We don't have to make eye contact. Sometimes kids can't. <laughs> no, seriously. Kids can't handle. Sometimes they can't handle the eye contact. It'll be like, so, so like, let them look forward. And I was like, that's great. So I'm driving and I say, hey kids, I got an announcement. I felt a little bit like, you know, you know, hey, everybody look up from your whatever. We're going over a bridge. You know, like our parents used to do when we were kids. And so I say, hey, everybody, I got somebody I need to tell everybody. Everybody looks up. They're like, what's up? You know, I said, hey, um, just wanted to let everybody know that God has been um, doing a lot of stuff in my heart, doing a lot of stuff in, in, in mom's heart. And, and we've decided that I'm going to do something different with my job. I'm going to do something different with my profession. And out of the five kids, four of them looked at us and they were like, are we uh, changing schools? Not to our knowledge. Not, no, I don't think we are right now. Are, are we going to move? No, not, not, not. It doesn't seem like we're going to. We're going to try to stay where we are. Okay, so just that time of the day where we don't see you, you're going to be doing something different. Okay, cool. Let us know if anything else changes. We're good. And then they're right back to their thing. <laughs> but one child, one child that I... The only one that I actually have hope in. The others, the jury is completely out on. You know how this works. It's like, no, I love them all the same. I'm not going to do what Jacob did to Joseph and give him like a special coat. But I'm like, but there is one that I'm like, I feel like if I'm going to invest like stocks, I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're going to do well in life. The others, no clue. Hit or miss. I, w I don't know yet. I, can't, I would not recommend you investing in the others. But this one... I'm like, we got one that I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're going places. And this one was like, she starts crying. And there's probably a correlation with the fact that she is a female, not the tears, but the, the fact that she's going to do great things in her life. And she starts crying and she's like, but dad, you love your job. And I was like, oh my goodness, she's so right. I do love my job. And I was like, well, I do. And that's what's so peculiar about this is sometimes God leads us to places even when we're in the middle of something good already. Then she's like, but what are you gonna do? And I'm like, this is a very convicting question because I don't exactly know yet. And so <laughs> I'm like fumbling through my answer. I'm like, wow, I gotta work on this because I don't even know how to answer this question yet. I mean, it's all real fresh, you know. And, and then she's still crying and I kind of say, hey, are you, is everything okay? Are you still good? And she, and, and, and she said, she's still through tears, she goes, it just sounds like you're quitting your job and you don't have another job. And I was like, that is so true. And that, that is the hardest part of this whole thing, you know? But here, here's what I've realized is that if we have a shepherd who says, if you have me, you actually lack nothing. What I'm banking on is that I can't have her hope in me. I can do everything I can do to try to provide security, but I can't promise security. But we has, she has a shepherd that we're able to point her to and go, whatever you're feeling, take it to him. 
whatever you're feeling. And you can trust in him. You can put your hope in him. You can put your faith in him that he has never let us down. And our hope is that he won't ever let us down in the future. Don't put your hope in me. I, I, I do believe we're gonna figure it out and I wanna do everything I can do to provide security for you. I'm not gonna like open up our finances and show you how this is all gonna work. But you can hope in him. You lack nothing if you have him. And then David goes on to give us these interesting things that the shepherd does for us. He, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me. I don't know why. Why does God have to make us lie down in green pastures? I'm picturing, uh, you know, the sound of music lady, Julie Andrews, like laying in some field in Austria, looking at these beautiful mountains. Uh, I don't, some of you are like, I love laying down in a green pasture. And maybe you've tried it, you know, Colorado maybe, or maybe you tried it even here in Texas and felt like you were laying on the face of the sun. Um, I have a hard time laying down in green pastures because I want to be on the move. I mean, I want to go. I want to figure it out. I want activity. I want forward motion. I want progress. And there are times in life when God says, rest, wait. Why? Because he's building something in us. One, he wants to refuel us and refresh us. But also he wants us to trust in him, not in ourselves. Not only do you make us lie down in green pastures, but you lead us beside quiet waters. You, you lead us beside these waters that replenish us, that restore us. Some of you need to let the shepherd lead you to the water that's going to restore what's going on inside of you. David says, he refreshes my soul how is, how is your soul? How is your soul? Is your soul tired, fatigued, discouraged, frustrated, angry? Does your soul have a lot of angst? Is your soul worried or weary? How's your soul? You know, everyone around you feels your soul. They feel you. And what they feel is usually connected to the state of your soul. Boston, the band, says you're more than a feeling. And, and you are more than a feeling. But you're also a feeling. I mean, you, you put off a vibe. You put off a feeling. People feel you. If you're married, your spouse feels you. If you're a parent, your kids feel you. If you're an employer, your employees, they feel you. And what they're feeling is usually correlated to the state of your soul. And you have a shepherd who says, I want to refresh your soul. I want to bring refreshment to your soul. And then he says, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. He guides me like a GPS system. I don't go anywhere these days. Even places that I know how to get to, I'll still put in an address because I want to know, is there traffic over here? Is there a wreck over here? Is there some kind of road closure over here? Is there something going on? Is there a better way to get there? And in the same way, God gives us his spirit to live inside of us and be a guide. Now, I, I don't know what your view of God is or what your experience with God has been. In, in, in my experience, God doesn't always guide, you know, take a left here, take a right here, go talk to this person, go say this. No, oftentimes God leads through the, the ability to choose, the responsibility to choose, the opportunity to choose. Which college, which school, which job, who should you date? I mean, sure, he said some things that are clear yeses and clear noes, but 
other than those boundaries, he's given us a lot of freedom. And there are also times when God specifically guides us. That's what the shepherd does. And he doesn't do it for our, just to make our life better. No, he does it for his name's sake. For his glory, for his goodness, for his greatness. And then the, the next line is a line that maybe you, you've heard before. I mean, this is one of the most famous lines in this passage, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Or, or the way that Coolio put it. You remember Coolio from Gangsta's Paradise, Dangerous Minds? I'm sure this will really connect with a lot of you. This is like this real popular rap song. Like when I was in high school, Coolio was like, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left because I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. Some of you, <laughs> sorry, you're feeling me. You're feeling me. Uh, but I'm all, just to be clear, what's your name? John, John, I feel like you're feeling me, but just to be clear, behind you, there's a lot of blank stares, all right? <laughs> well, here's the great news, is that David did not get that line from Coolio, all right? Coolio, Coolio got that line from David, that there are times that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There are times where we walk through even the darkest valley. You know what a valley is? A valley is that place between the mountains. You know, the valley is the place that, that feels lonely. The valley is the place that feels hard. The valley is the place that feels desolate. The valley is the place where we question where God is because we've all been on top of the mountain. And when you're on top of the mountain, you look out and you go, oh, this is so beautiful. This is everything. This is so godly. God feels like he's here with me. But David reminds us, he says, hey, even when you're walking through the darkest valley, you don't have to fear evil because God is with you. He's with you on the mountaintop and he's with you in the valley. Some of you are in a valley right now. Maybe you just got some hard news. Maybe you feel like the wind's just not blowing. Maybe you feel like it's just too calm, maybe you feel like it's too chaotic, maybe you feel like God seems distant, you feel like you're in a valley. We, we, we've got to listen to what David says. D David doesn't say, when you get into the valley, just lay down and rest. No, he says, I get it, the valley's hard. The valley's difficult, but you have to go through it. And the way you go through it is you walk you walk, you put the, the next foot in front of the other. You take the next step. You do the next thing you know what to do. You make the next right decision. You continue to fix your eyes on the shepherd, not on the shadow. We get so fixated with how big the shadow is. And David says, you lock eyes with the shepherd and you keep walking. Our tendency, my tendency is to walk through the green pasture and to lay down in the valley. Don't get those confused. He says, no, 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 no. You lay down in the green pasture and you walk through the valley. You're gonna wanna lay down. You're gonna wanna quit. You're gonna wanna give up. But to get to where God's leading you, you have to walk through it. One foot in front of the other. 
You keep walking. If you're in a season right now where you feel depressed, you need to ask for help and you need to keep moving. You need to keep walking. If you're in a season where you can't feel God, don't give up. You keep walking. To get you to where God's trying to take you, sometimes you have to walk through the valley. And he says, there's a lot of evil in the valley. I get it. The shadow is a shadow because there's something there. But you don't have to fear the evil because God is with you in the valley. And he says, if you want to know how you experience God's presence in the valley, he says, there's two ways. You do it through his rod. That signifies his power. The the, the shepherd would have to ward off, fend off evil forces that were coming after the sheep. But the good news is the shepherd is powerful enough to do that. But the shepherd also has a staff that represents his grace that gets people back on track when they've taken a misstep. Listen, I don't know what's going to happen with our situation. I mean, I feel like there's some good opportunities in front of us and we're evaluating some things and it's not all dreary. It doesn't all feel like a valley, but I don't know that it's going to work out. He's never promised that it's going to work out. What he has promised is that even if it doesn't, his staff, his grace is going to continue to work in us and continue to work through us. And he's going to do the same thing for you. Then David says he, he, he does this interesting thing where he prepares this table, this lavish meal in the presence of all of the, the enemies. You know, life is a lot more like Star Wars than we may think sometimes. There is a light side and there is a dark side. There is good and there is evil. I don't know what the evil is in your world. I don't know what the enemies look like in your world. Maybe it's loneliness or shame or inadequacy. But David says the good shepherd prepares this meal, this lavish, bountiful meal. And he does it in the presence of the enemy. To let the enemy know, hey, just to be clear, shame, just to be clear, loneliness, just to be clear, inadequacy, this one's mine. This one's with me. I got this one. Now, you don't have a place at this table because this one's mine. Then he anoints the sheep's head with oil. Sometimes the sheep would get in the wrong stuff, get their head cut up and make the wrong move. But the shepherd anoints the sheep's head with oil. He cares personally for the sheep. David says, and my cup overflows. When I look inside, when I look at my life, sometimes I look at it and think, I don't know that I have enough. I don't know that I have what it takes. But when I have the shepherd, I realize, I don't think I do have enough. But because I have him, my cup is overflowing. I've got everything I need. I've got more than enough. And then he ends with this beautiful encouragement. He says, surely, surely, not not hopefully, not maybe. He says, surely, goodness, your goodness and your love, your goodness and your mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. They're going to always be there reminding me he is good. He does love you. He is for you. He is with you. There's nothing that's not possible. There's nothing that's off the table. There's nothing that you can't do. There's nothing you can't overcome. And this goodness and this love and this mercy, they're going to follow his sheep all the days of their lives. 
and we'll be able to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, representing this kind of communion that we get to have with our heavenly father, the good shepherd forever and ever, that you're with me and I'm with you and nothing can take that away. So, so the question today really for all of us, I mean, it's the question for me. It's the question for my family. It's the question for you. Is he your shepherd? Are you looking to him as your shepherd? Are you trusting him as your shepherd? Some of you maybe have been hoping, well, I'm hoping that he'll make it clear. I'm hoping that he'll let us know. I'm hoping he'll show us the way. And, and I hope he'll do that for you as well. I hope he'll do that for me. I heard the story about a guy who went to work with Mother Teresa for a couple of years and got a chance to ask her to pray for him. He said, Mother, would you pray for me? And she said, well, tell me what you want me to pray for you about. And he said, well, I've got a lot of big decisions that I'm trying to make and I, I really need God to provide me some clarity. Supposedly, as the story goes, Mother Teresa looks at him and says, I've prayed for clarity and I've never gotten it. But what I will pray for you is that God would give you opportunities to trust him. Because I've gotten a lot of those. That's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for my wife. That's my prayer for our kids. That's my prayer for you. Not that God would make it clear. Because I don't know, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes we can't see what's on the other side. But my hope is that God would continue to invite you, that you would say yes to his invitation to trust him, the good shepherd, that you would make him your shepherd, that you would look to him, fixing your eyes on the shepherd, not the shadow. You would trust him as your shepherd. Heavenly Father, um, that, it's not fun. I mean, that's not always emotionally satisfying. That's not, that's not always something that we want to do. Sometimes that feels hard and it feels, I don't know, it feels like there's a lot at risk. We get real myopic with our own lives and start fixating on all the details and we just can't make it all work. We can't see the end. We can't figure it all out. God, for every person today that's wrestling through something in their future, I wish so badly that I could say, okay, well, here's the equation on how you figure it out. But God, we all know there is not one. But fortunately, there is a shepherd, you, who says, just follow me. Just trust me. Just put your hope in me. Just believe in me. Just listen to me. Just come with me. We cannot thank you enough for inviting us into that. I pray today that all over this building, those watching online, that today would be a day of yes. Yes to trusting you, the shepherd. We'll give you all the glory and all the honor for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.